0: Mary's story picks up in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. It'll be on the screen. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, This is not the kind of life event that you prepare for. At any age, let alone Mary's age, very young age. There's no self-help seminar, there's no book, there's no guide to get you through what Mary was walking through at this point. It had to be overwhelming. I don't know if you've ever put yourself there or thought about it of just the emotions alone to get through. You can imagine that she was likely thinking that the angel showed up at the wrong house. Maybe you're, you're off by one. You should have been at the next house. She was scared. She was confused. And who wouldn't be? I mean, think about your own life moments. Maybe you're in one right now that have just come upon you, and everything you thought you had prepared for in life, it, it just all kind of went out the window because what you were facing, what you may be facing, is scary, it's confusing, and you just don't feel prepared. Mary wasn't prepared. Not just from a practical, we've got to find a place to put this baby when it's born, a place for it to sleep, but also the emotional, the intellectual, the spiritual preparation that is required, right moms, to be pregnant. To go through labor and delivery, and let alone raise a child. It's an awesome responsibility. Mary had so much to learn. I want you to think for a moment how you prepare for Christmas. It's a little easier for us because it's really built into the calendar. I mean, it's built into our schedules, it's something we know this is the thing we do this time of the year. It's really what all cultures do in some way or form. There's a holiday. There's seasons. There, is, there are the traditions that come together that help us mark this occasion. But that's surely not what it was the first Christmas. It was all new. It was all so unexpected as Josh talked about. Yeah, they were waiting, this anticipated, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace that was prophesied. But never, ever, ever, ever did they expect that he would come as a baby. How do you prepare for a baby like this? How do you respond to a baby like this? How how do you receive a baby like this? What we see in Mary and her response has much to teach us, I believe. Because if there was a good way to respond, I think Mary did it. Let's pray. Father, as we look at Mary's response today, as we look into your word, God, I pray that you would teach each of us from your word how we can respond to this child, to this king. Not just as a baby, but as Savior, as Lord how we can receive this Christmas, perhaps in new ways like never before, and allow this child to be born in us, so that we might further your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Mary's response was nothing less than remarkable. Look at the words in verse 48, the 38, excuse me. The end of verse 38. At the conclusion of the angel's message, is if that wasn't enough to kind of throw you back and, and put you in a tailspin, her response was this, I am the Lord's servant. May it be, or some translations, let it be to me as you have said. I think sometimes we can brush by this because it, it all seems too quick. It all seems just too easy. Despite all the reasons, all the excuses that Mary had to respond differently, her response was one of deep faith and deep trust. That's the response I want to have to God. Every time God comes to me and says, this is what I need you to do, that my response, our response, no matter how unexpected it is, that we have a part in this great grand story of God's. And just like this divine pregnancy... We have an opportunity to respond with faith. Something beautiful that happens from Mary that we learn is that it's really a foreshadowing of what happens with Jesus, what Jesus did. Mary teaches us things like submission and serving, offering, sacrifice. And those are the very things that are going to be demonstrated in the son she was about to bear. She teaches us about sacrifice. Sacrifice isn't a popular word. It's one of those things we think about, and it sounds a little painful, and most of the time it is. But Mary embraced it. Look at her first words. She says, I am the Lord's. In, 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 in four simple words, Mary gets at the heart of what this is all about. Who is she? Whose is she? What she demonstrates here, what she speaks here, is that she helps us see that the first part of any sacrifice is submission. Sometimes we have these great big grandiose ideas about what it means to sacrifice for God, for others. But it all starts with submission. We have to understand who we are. Mary was not, right now, in her mind, primarily a young girl who was pregnant. (laughs) Yes, That was shaping a lot. But really, what she declares right here is the most important thing, and that's her identity in God. She was God's child. And that recognition, that acknowledgement, helped her accept the role that she was about to play. She did not take the role because it was going to bring a lot of fame and a lot of fortune. She didn't even understand what it all was going to mean. It wasn't convenient, it certainly wasn't beneficial to her. But she accepted her role in submission because she belonged to God, and he had chosen her. I think sometimes we forget that Mary didn't have it. She didn't really have a choice. God didn't come and say, "Hey, would you mind doing this?" No, He said, "Mary, this, through the angel, this, this is what you're going to do. What would it have been like if she would have fought all the way? Now, God's plans prevail, but how different of a picture would we have seen? How different a picture in preparation of Christ's coming would have this been? It had been huge. But Mary knew that she was God's first. Do you know that? Because we all have to recognize that we belong to something. Someone. Sometimes we take the key role in that when the reality is it's our creator who deserves it. Mary knew that she was God's first, and as the song suggested that Olivia sang, I am just a girl, but I am willing, and I am yours. Anything we ever have to face in life, anything that requires any sort of sacrifice, must start with acknowledging who we are. Because when we acknowledge, as Mary did, that we are God's first, we then can cling to the promises of God. A lot of people like to do it differently. They like to say, Well, I want all the blessings and promises of God, but I really don't want to claim Him. Doesn't work that way. Mary teaches us that sacrifice comes out of a humble heart, a heart that is submitted to God. Because she knew deep down that she claimed to follow God and she did follow God that He would never abandon her. He would always protect her. He would always care for her and He would always provide for her. Mary knew that nothing else would do that. Yeah, there's lots of things that pretend to do that but nothing that would and should be her identity like God. And so in a very humble way tone she says i am the lord's i am the Lord's. that's where i got to begin because if i'm about to do any of this i have to realize that it's god that will walk me through this the lie in our culture and i and i think this is important to understand because the stuff we swim in every day the influence that that has in our lives and no matter how strong we believe we are in our faith is that culture has an influence on us And sometimes it's positive and sometimes it's negative. And it's not that everything in culture is horrible, but we have to understand what we swim in every day and how it can impact us. And one of the lies that I think we get caught in believing is that we don't have to submit to anyone or anything if we're strong enough, if we're smart enough, and if we're powerful enough. I mean, just look around and think about that. The lie is is that if we're strong enough, smart enough, or we have enough power, then submission isn't really necessary. Submission is often seen as weakness for those who really just can't figure life out, and so they, they have to submit. Or they're inferior in some way, and they just have to submit. I remember before I accepted Christ in my life, that was my thought. I believed in God. God was, yeah, He was cool. He was great. And and it was fine if people wanted to follow Him. But it was really for those people that just couldn't get life figured out. It was really for those people that just really needed some help. But I was doing okay. We all need God. We are all inept at life without the Creator. We are all unable unable, excuse me, to walk through what life is, to get the most of life, when our selfish pride, our independence, and our sinfulness is what drives us. And that's what those things are when we choose to reject God. The sooner we let go of these things, the sooner we understand, just like Mary did, how to live well, how to live into our identity Submission is the beginning of sacrifice. You will never understand sa- sacrifice in life if you first don't understand what it means to submit. And it does matter, church. It matters. It matters for you, it matters for others. Because we were created to be in a relationship with God. And a relationship with co- God cannot exist without submission, with that mutual understanding that He is God and that we are not. And you can't acknowledge God for who He is if you're not willing to submit to Him. Because somewhere deep down, if you're not willing to submit to God, you believe that you are. James 4, 7, part A says very frankly, very, very swiftly, submit yourselves then to God. It doesn't get much clearer than that. But what does that look like? How does that play itself out? That's what we... That's what we work on in life. That's what we walk through. The Christmas story is a story of sacrifice through submission to God. Not only Jesus, but also in Mary. Mary had to at some point say, I'm going to allow God to use me. I'm going to allow God to make this be all that it's intended to be. And truthfully, all those parts of your life that you're kind of holding on to and you're kind of grabbing and you just don't want to let go of it yet, recognize that God knows exactly what that is, what you need, and how you get through that. You can't figure that out on your own. God walks with us every moment of the way. He did that with Mary. The thing that keeps us from God is us. We've got to submit to Him. Look at the next part of this phrase. It says, it uses the word servant. She uses the word servant. She starts by declaring that she is the Lord's. And then she identifies her role. Now, this may seem silly. It may seem just rather, um, just rather unnecessary. But when's the last time that you said to God, God, I am yours and I'm your servant? Think about how that changes our attitudes. Think about how that changes our motives. Think about how that changes our approach to people. When we say, I am the Lord's servant. I was talking to um, uh, someone this morning who just lost his father. And he was sharing stories with me. And this man lived a long life. Died at 81 years old. Had an incredible impact on a lot of people. Some of you here. And he said to me, he said, he said two things. He said, my dad's philosophy of business was, if we cannot do this to serve the community, then we shouldn't do it. Doesn't matter how much money we're going to make. It doesn't matter how good we can look, look. But if we can't do this to serve the community, then let's not do it. In fact, we won't do it. And... He said when, the son said that when he started a, a new store and his, his dad said to him, he said, he said, if you can open this store and you can serve this community through this store, then you have my blessing. And he said, I'll never forget that. He said, almost every day I walk into that store and I think of my dad and I think about what he taught me in being a servant. Mary identified that. She said, I'm God's servant. Because if you're not God's servant and you've been asked to carry in this divine pregnancy a child, how often do you get in the way? How often do you say, you know, I just don't really want to do this. I mean, Mary could have, after the pregnancy and delivery, said, okay, I did what I had to do. Now put this baby up for adoption or whatever because I'm done. I am not carrying this child. I'm not raising this child anymore. We've got to take for granted that Mary continued to serve. What a lesson for us. Because that was another part of sacrifice. Sacrifice begins with a submission of our minds, of our wills. But sacrifice develops as we put it into action and we serve. I don't know if you've ever been around people who, who serve begrudgingly. And they're grumpy, and they let you know all of the sacrifices that they have have made to be there to serve. And you're thinking, go home. You're not serving. You're trying to look good or something, but you're not serving. Think about Mary. Think about from the moment that her pregnancy became public. She was exposed to shame, social disgrace, potential stoning. And then... She endured a pregnancy that involved a 70-mile bumpy ride on the donkey. Ladies, how's that a way for inducing labor, huh? I wouldn't recommend it. And then labor and delivery. In this day and age of controlled, sterilized environments, it's a little hard to imagine a stinky, dirty stable, would not it? Well, it probably wasn't that bad. Yeah, I think it was. Sacrifice. Every step of the way. Sacrifice. I heard something the other day and it was from the perspective of Mary and, and this lady was uh, dramatizing this and, and, and what she said is she said, she made this comment about the fact that yeah, I sacrificed all the way through it but as soon as I saw as soon as I saw the face of that baby it all changed. And then she goes on to say he changed me. You see, sacrifice through serving changes us, doesn't it? Yeah, the cost of obedience can be high. But servants are who we are. It's not just Mary's role. Yeah, hers is, is this role that's gotten to some degree a lot of attention in scripture and even in culture. But the reality is, is that God is asking us to play, saying to us, to each of us, serve me in your role, in your place. It's not going to be easy but it'll be worth every part of it. But it requires sacrifice. And sacrifice means that we're going to give up stuff. We're going to give up stuff for the sake of our own comfort and benefit for something greater, for someone greater. But it shouldn't stop us. In many ways, sacrificial serving puts us at a a disadvantage in earthly terms. But the reality is is that when we put our own needs aside, God does, does something with that. He meets the needs of others. Mary would have never been able to carry out her role if she wouldn't have had the mindset of a servant. I really want you to reflect on that as you celebrate Christmas. Think about Jesus. We often think about Jesus serving and sacrifice starting or really the culmination at the cross, which is true. But Jesus began to serve the moment he became human. That's where his sacrifices begin. He set aside His throne to come and understand who we are, to empathize with us, to relate to us, to associate with us. It's a sacrifice, every part of it. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So you say, Dan, why does serving matter? This is why it matters. Because when serving as God's servant is is demonstrated in your life, you're not just completing a task. You're not just getting stuff done to help somebody feel better or meet a a certain need. No, you are an administrator of God's grace if you follow and commit to Him. He, He takes what may seem so petty, so little, so normal and He blows that up in an incredible supernatural way. We're not being dramatic to think that. We're not being um, ridiculous to think that God can take such a little thing and make it to change a life. Every one of us have a story about that. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, if you've heard the story of Christ, you have been the recipient of God's grace from someone who used their gifts. I encourage you, I beg of you, as we have talked about as a church over and over again, serve one another. Sacrifice to serve one another, because it does matter, just as it did for Mary. Your story will be a story that will be told as people have come to know Christ because of your serving, your sacrificial serving. Remembering Mary's sacrificial serving that first Christmas Christmas should be an inspiration for us to walk in her steps and follow Christ in obedience. So how are you going to serve somebody this Christmas? One of the things I love about Christmas season and has kind of developed in our culture is that the idea of serving tends to be a bit more prominent than I think it used to be. And I love that. I think it's such a good thing. But I think we do have to be careful. And I want to challenge you a little bit further. I don't want to minimize the things that you do to serve people now in the name of Christ. But I do hear people at times say, yeah, we want to do something really special this time of year. What about the rest of the year? Because I don't know about you, but there's times that people just expect it this time of the year. Keep doing it. That's okay. But what about when they don't expect it? Just like when... When Mary didn't expect what was going to happen. When Joseph didn't expect what was going to happen. Serve people sacrificially when they don't see it coming. That's what Christ followers should do. That's what Christ did for us. So be creative. Have fun. Look for those needs. They're everywhere. You all know that. But look for ways for God to use you specifically and personally with your gifting to serve people and administer His grace. Second part of this phrase says this, May it be to me as you have said. Which, what's important to understand about the Greek here is that this is not just, okay God, whatever. It's not just a, a, a minor a submissive statement of obedience, like, okay, let's go. No, there's was, there was an emphasis here, very strong emphasis that with the sense of that Mary has her heart ready. She's ready now to go. Here, here's what it looks like. That person who grumps and gripes and complains and tells everybody of how much they've sacrificed to serve somebody... The opposite of that is the person that you love to serve with. Whether it's here at church, whether it's in the community somewhere, you love serving with them because what happens is they give people not just a a need to fill. They don't just uh, complete a task. They engage their heart. And they're, they're a joy to be around. Because just like Christ, just like Mary, their heart was in it. They offered their heart. The willingness. I don't know how we call serving, serving, if the heart's not engaged. It's a cheap imitation of it. But here in this statement, may it be, or let it be to me as you have said, Mary's saying, I'm ready. I am ready because my heart is now set on being your servant. I am ready to go. Don't know what that means. Scared to death, and I don't know what's next, but I'm ready. My heart is going to engage. Church, if we don't engage hearts, starting with ours, before God, we will never engage people. We will never share the power and the beauty of this message of Christ. People are tired of religion. People are tired of of, of people missing them all for the sake of telling a story that they don't care about if you don't care about them. Listen to the words that Olivia sang from the song. I'll hold you in the beginning. You will hold me in the end. Every moment in the middle, make my heart your Bethlehem. In other words, Christ, Jesus Christ, come Come and reign right here. Sacrifice is completed by an engaged heart. You can sacrifice by serving, you can sacrifice through submission. But what brings it around is the heart that is engaged, the heart that is offered first of all to God. Because if you don't offer it to God first, it's not good for much good to anybody else. You may think it is, it's not. Because it's a not a heart that is right. She says, Be born in me. I'm not brave. I'll never be. The only thing my heart can offer is a vacancy. I'm just a girl. Nothing more. But I'm willing. I'm yours. See, that's, that's what a heart offered is. It's a heart that doesn't say, Oh, I'm clean and I got it all figured out. That's why we, that's why we go to Christ. It's not to go to him clean, it's to go to him to get clean. It's for him to change your heart, him to mold you and shape you. The heart is the seat of the emotions and feelings, it's it's kind of what pulls our soul together. And all of the things of our mind and our intellect come together in the heart and the seat of emotions and feelings. A true servant doesn't just go get stuff done. A true servant engages the circumstances with their heart and engages those they are serving. So maybe this Christmas, part of your commitment to God to celebrate Christmas is to say, I'm not going to serve just to check off my list. I'm going to engage someone as I serve them. I'm going to find out their story. One of the things that happened a few years ago with the second Saturday, and I thought it was such a, just an incredibly beautiful step, is that they were continuing to try to see how do we take this second Saturday ministry where we go out into the community and, and we do projects for, for different individuals and families, how do we take that and, and, and just take it up another notch? And one of the things they talked about doing and have done is that they don't just want to go and get the task done. They want to have somebody specifically assigned that day on those projects to go and sit and talk with that widow while wood is being cut or while the deck is being stained to sit with that senior adult couple and just hear their story and to share our story. That's what it is. That's offering our hearts. Let's be people who learn to do that in all. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Dan, it takes a lot of time. You bet it takes time. But I'm glad somebody took that time with me. Because in that, somebody sought to understand me. My boss. My first boss. Somebody sought to understand you. And you would have never, ever seen Christ without seeing their heart offered to you first. That's what Jesus does. That's what Mary demonstrated to us as she served, and as she offered her heart. Offering matters. Giving our heart matters. Yeah, it's going to get stepped on at times. I wish I could tell you that wouldn't happen. You all know that. It happens. Well, it's a not-so-fun reminder of the sinful world we live in, isn't it? But don't you dare stop. What kind of world are we going to live in if we all stop offering our hearts? In the name of Jesus Christ. What's what's it going to be? It's going to be more of all the things we hate about this world. All the things that remind us of our sinfulness. 1 Peter 2.5 says, You also, speaking to the church, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know where a spiritual sacrifice becomes acceptable? When your heart is engaged. Yeah, God wants your mind, but he doesn't just want your mind. God wants your hands, he wants your feet, but he doesn't want any of that if he doesn't have your heart. That's why we start with submission. That's why we, we, we play this out. We carry out this role as we serve. And then we bring it together as we offer willing hearts. I want to look at one more phrase. And this takes place in a little bit later setting. After Mary has said, okay, let's go, God. She goes to visit her cousin, Elizabeth. And as she visits him, and you'll maybe remember the interaction, and, and John the, the Baptist is leaping for joy in Elizabeth's womb. And there's just this wonderful scene of these ladies connecting, very much walking uh, the same path of preparing the way for Christ. And then Mary says some words. It becomes her song. Let me share just the beginning of it. It will be on the screen, just the first couple of words. Mary said, after this greeting with Elizabeth, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. I absolutely believe this was not the only time Mary sang this song. I think this was a song Mary went back to. As Mary stood there and watched her son mature and grow and begin to minister to people around Galilee, I think Mary sang this song. I think Mary sang this song as the tide began to turn and the crowds turned against Jesus as she sacrificed, as she suffered, as she wanted to scream out, let him go, he's my son, is that Mary in her heart sang this song. As he hung on the cross and died, I believe Mary sang this song through the tears. Mary's response, her song, My soul magnifies the Lord and my soul rejoices in God my Savior. That's a person who understands sacrifice. We can talk about God, we can say that uh, God is a big part of our life, but when we sacrifice for God, when we live our lives sacrificially serving Him, we can sing the song of Mary. No matter what. We can sing the song of Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul rejoices. But see, if you don't start with submission to God and you don't start an identity in God, you'll never be singing the song that rejoices in God. Mary teaches us the purpose of sacrifice and that is to bring glory to God. This song, Be Born in Me, is such a powerful piece because what Mary wanted was not just to be the birth mother. She didn't just want to be the womb that carried the child. She wanted this child to change her, and it did. And in turn, because Mary submitted and Mary served and Mary offered her heart, Mary's life changed ours. And many, many more because she allowed Christ to change her. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, for to us a son is given. Are you prepared this Christmas? Are you prepared? I'm not talking about your parties. I'm not talking about your family gatherings. As fun and as great as those are. Are you prepared to bring glory to the Lord? I encourage you this Christmas to prepare. And maybe you feel prepared, then jump right into it. Think about how you can submit and sacrifice. Think about how you can serve in the name of Christ and sacrifice. And think about how you can offer your heart to someone and sacrifice so that they might know God. You'll bring glory to Him. And you'll be walking the streets, you'll be walking the hallways of your home, and you'll be singing, My soul magnifies the Lord. I hope you do. I hope you're prepared because when you offer yourselves to God, you experience the joy and blessings of His promises and His presence. That's Christmas. Let's pray. Father, as we close in worship today, I pray that we would sing with loud and grateful hearts, God. Help us to consider, Lord, where we're being apathetic where we're perhaps holding back and just afraid of what it might mean to offer all of us to You. What it might, may, may mean to engage our heart and offer it to You. Lord, take us back and help us know that we must start with our identity in You. We've got to submit there. Lead us this very week to be people who serve sacrificially. There is no better way Celebrate Christmas. May it be. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.